The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. This show is produced by the American Negotiation Institute, and with over 5 million downloads and listeners in over 180 countries, listeners just like you have made this the number one negotiation podcast in the world. Hi, my name is Kwame Christian, and I am the founder and CEO of the American Negotiation Institute. Here at ANI, we believe that the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversations, and we are passionate about providing Providing you with the best content that will help you to make your difficult conversations easier, both at work and at home. Lastly, I want to remind you that we offer consulting and conduct trainings, both virtually and in person, all around the world. Our focus is in three main areas. First, negotiation and conflict resolution. Second, leadership. And lastly, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Check the link in the description below to learn more about how we could work with you and your team. And now, without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Lewis, thanks for joining us today. Kwame, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here on your podcast. Yeah, it's our pleasure to have you, my friend. So, how would you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, well, as you know, I'm a Sandler trainer and Sandler is the world's largest uh, sales training organization. Most people know us for sales training, but we also do uh, leadership and sales sales leadership training, uh, customer service training. We even have a course on negotiation. Um, and yeah, typically, business owners will come to, to us uh, to solve challenges they're having around prospecting, you know, closing, shortening sales cycles. But recently, I'm really focused on helping mission-driven entrepreneurs build world-class sales teams and, and hone their sales leadership skills as they grow their sales team so that they can do more good in the world and, and serve more people that, that they serve best and most profitably. That, that's my focus. I love it. I love it. And today, we are going to talk about the importance of setting expectations. And this is something that uh, obviously I've seen in the negotiation world. You've seen a lot in the sales world. And we see it every day in the real world, <laughs> in business and in our personal life. And um, it's one of those hidden negotiations that people often miss. So, let's start from square one. So, Lewis, when we talk about setting expectations, what does that even mean? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the negotiation process really for the first negotiation you do with, is with yourself, right? It, it, it's a matter of preparing ahead of any interaction to say, what is my goal? And what is my intent here? And, and I've heard you talk about how you're naturally competitive. And so you have to think ahead of time, maybe to be competitive, a competitive listener, right? And so many salespeople, they, they come into the sales interaction and they're thinking about how they can help this person. They're thinking about how they have helped other people like this person. They're enthusiastic about it. They've been taught to be enthusiastic about it. Or maybe they're not even a salesperson, but they're an expert in their field. And so they're thinking about all this knowledge they have to share. 
And so sometimes the first step is setting expectations with yourself, right? That my, that I have to make sure that I pay attention to, as you so often talk about in this podcast, listening to the other person and finding out what's important to them. And, and so when I talk with salespeople and I say, what's the expectation for this sales meeting? What's your goal for this sales meeting? And they may tell me what that goal is. And I, my next question is, does the prospect know that? And oftentimes they don't, right? They just, the salesperson was just glad to get the meeting. And especially if the meeting was a really big prospect, somebody maybe at a higher position than they are, or, you know, of a, a, a really hard to get into, as soon as they get the appointment, they're off the phone and, you know, hey, I got one. And they don't really set any expectations around what the agenda for the meeting is going to be or what we might decide or who else ought to be there. And so, so that first negotiation you have to have is about what, you know, what are these things that I'm going to be looking for? What are my negotiables? What are my non-negotiables? Who needs to be there? How much time do I have? So many times salespeople or other business professionals shortchange themselves, especially, again, if they've got somebody that was a hard-to-get meeting. I remember when I first started my Sandler business, and I got a meeting with what I thought was a really great prospect. And it was very, very early days, right, when I was beginning my – and I called my coach, and I said, I have this meeting. And he said – well, how long is the meeting going to be? I said, well, it'll probably just be real short because, you know, I, I think he'll, yeah, he probably, there's probably nothing here. And, and he said, well, what is he expecting? Well, we didn't talk about that. And does he know what the agenda for the meeting is? And he said, I said, no, I, I guess I didn't set that up. So I picked up the phone or I, I, I think I picked the phone. I said, hey, you know, I'm so excited to be able to meet with you, John, let's call him. And I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, how long do you have for the meeting? And he told me he had 30 minutes or an hour. And he told, I think it was actually an email that I reached back out to him, which is not ideal, by the way. But he said, I have this long and I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say because we're thinking about these issues. How much better was that when I got to the meeting and knew that he really was interested? You know, and I've had that conversation, I don't know how many times with clients over the years. Um, you know, I had, I had a client who was flying from here in Ohio to New Jersey to meet with a very big, you know, multi-million dollar client of theirs, a potential client of theirs, I should say. And there were going to be vice presidents and, you know, big, big people with big titles in this meeting. And my client said to me, I think it's just going to be a quick meet and greet. And I said, we'll call him John. Uh, He'll remain anonymous, you know, to protect the guilty. I said, John... Why do you think these people with these big titles would invite you to, to come all the way across the country to meet with them when they have lots of important things to do? If it was just a meet and greet, pick up the phone and see what they're expecting. And he, he called me back. He said, this is incredible. I mean, the fact that you had me do that totally changed the dynamics of that meeting because I didn't, you know, I had no idea. I was stepping into a great opportunity and it was not a few minutes of meet and greet. Of course, there was some reason that they were going to take time out of their day to meet with him. So, so we need to, uh, you know, I mean, it's setting expectations. You know, I, I mentioned to you before that, that I had always been taught permission-based selling, asking permission, you know, hey, would it be okay if I asked you a few questions? And I had been taught to set a roadmap for the sales process. And those are both great things, but they're two sides of the coin. They're two pieces of the puzzle. At Sandler, we teach people to put those together 
and set what we call our upfront contracts. And an upfront contract means that you're agreeing ahead of time to certain things upfront. And it's a contract simply because it's an agreement. I tell my clients, the one time you want to negotiate in a sales process is upfront. And that is the opposite of what most salespeople do, right? Most salespeople come in and they show up and throw up and they tell all of their stuff and they do their dog and pony show and they share all their expertise and they do a lot of free consulting. And then they hope that if, if they like me, they'll buy from me. And then at the end, when the prospect says that's too much, now they have to begin to negotiate price and negotiate terms. But at Sandler, we say, no. The, the really the only time you want to be doing negotiating we want to we want to figure out what all of the parameters are along the way before we get to the presentation we want to understand what's really important to this customer what their budget is what their decision making process is so the time by the time we get to that there isn't any negotiation we're just letting them buy so 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 this is the key right when we're setting expect the upfront contract we want to set expectations for that's the way it's going to work is that i'm going to ask you lots of questions I'm probably going to ask you questions you didn't even expect. And I'm going to need to know some details that are, 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 you know, X, Y, and Z. Are you going to be comfortable talking about those things, Kwame? And, and you, you say yes, right? And, and you agree. And then if you say you're not, well, this is when negotiation happens, right? Well, in order for me to share my answers with you, I'm going to need to know X, Y, and Z. And, and if by the end we get, it, it seems like, you know, it, we might figure out in the middle that there's nothing here. And if not, that's okay. So this is another expectation that we set that no is okay. See, so many salespeople come to interactions thinking that their job is to persuade people to buy from them. And that's, see, that's a problem because well, why is that a problem? It's a problem because they might not need what you have. It might not, not be a match. They, <laughs> they might not need what you have, right? And if they do need what you have, why else might it be a problem? They might not be the right person with the right budget to buy they what you have. Right <laughs> yeah. Or they might not realize they need what you have and they not, might not be open enough to, to be able to see it, in which case, you know, you, you're, they're still not your prospect, right? Or here's one more thing. Even if all of those things are there, nobody wants to be sold. I mean, we go to the store and the clerk says to us, can I help you? And what do we always say? No. Right? We put up our <laughs> hand and we say, I'm just looking. Right? It's not true. We're there tonight to buy a mattress. We're going to buy it tonight. But we tell the salesperson, oh, just looking. And and so we need to realize that that's going to happen ahead of time so that we can set expectations. We can and we can learn expectations too, right? In this pros- podcast, if there's one word that comes up more often than any other, it's probably another a word that begins with L, right? Listen. Yeah. Absolutely. And so many times salespeople go in with their expectations, but they don't have any idea what the prospects expectations are. Right? It's mutually agreed upon. It's both directions. And, you know, that's why we call it an upfront contract, because as a lawyer, Kwame, what defines a good contract? 
Ah, what defines a good contract? Let's let me let me go through this and try to simplify it as much as possible. Two parties two mutually yeah, two uh, multiple parties agreeing um, mutually upon the terms, signing, and then moving yeah. forward. Th- that's all true. And one more thing, I remember a long time ago starting a business, and I paid a lawyer a whole bunch of money to review the contract. And we sat down, and he, the first thing he said was, "Lewis, the sign of a good contract is that everybody understands the terms." And so that's another trait. Everything you said plus clear understanding between the two, right? Mutually agreed upon. But in order to be mutually agreed upon, we have to have very clear terms. Mm-hmm. So everybody has to really know what to expect. Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And we will be right back after this. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, We'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Yeah, this is great. This is critical. And and listeners, you can see how this is applicable in so many different aspects of your life, not just in the business world, because we can see clearly in this situation where let's say it's a sales situation or just really, a, let's just talk about a meeting, for instance, <laughs> when, when you're having these conversations and you don't align on what the expectations are, then it's very difficult to have a productive conversation because different people are defining what makes a, this particular meeting productive differently. Because if you go in in this conversation, let's say it's a sales situation where the prospect says, my goal is to just get some information and then I'll leave and then I'll talk with my team and then I might get back to you or not. That might be their expectation. But you as a salesperson, you might have the expectation of, 
we're going to figure out what your needs are. This is going to be discovery. And then at the end, we're going to make a decision of whether or not it makes sense to move forward. Those are two very different expectations. And when those things are not aligned, then you run into unnecessary friction in the process and both parties end up being unsatisfied a lot of times. And so it's, yeah. it's really interesting, Lewis, to see just how much psychological resistance there seems to be with setting expectations up front. And I think it comes back to what you said, where there's this bias in the sales world and just the world in general, where we want to always get to yes. I mean, one of the most popular books in negotiation is getting to yes. And we are afraid yeah. of no. But in your process, you're letting them know up front, hey, it is okay to say no. It is okay for me to say no. We both have freedom and, and autonomy in this. And so there's, it seems, and I want to get your perspective on this, it seems as though there needs to be a little bit of um, resilience um, in the face of yeah. potential rejection here if we're willing to negotiate these upfront contracts and clearly align on expectations. So something you said there is that that oftentimes salespeople don't want to hear no. But this is a really important point that you when this helps create equal business stature between the two parties. You know, oftentimes a salesperson comes to the interaction with their seat a half a foot lower than the prospects. Right. They come, they, with feeling like the prospect has all the power and they have all the control and they're here to, to, you know, I, for instance, I remember a sales manager who's, who taught me. He would say, you know, we'll be quick and we'll, then we'll get out of your hair. Is that the way two equal parties relate to one another? No. Right. So this, this really is, um, it's a it's a tactic that really helps the salesperson create more equal business stature. But you mentioned that there's a lot of resistance to this sometimes. And sometimes when I'm in a training room with salespeople or even non-salespeople, and we're talking about how to use this in their professional meetings, this is perhaps the most assertive thing that we teach at Sandler. And so for some people, that is uncomfortable. And what I say to them, okay, is let's practice it with you as the prospect and with the other person leading the upfront contract. And then I say to them, did that feel uncomfortable? And they always say no. In fact, what we find is that when there is a good upfront contract, and when we talk about a strong upfront contract at Sandler, we're not talking about strong arming someone. We're talking about clarity of mutually agreed upon expectations. When there is a good upfront contract, it creates comfort. And here's another thing that salespeople struggle with is that they struggle with the idea that, that not only does no, everybody like, nobody likes to be sold, but people have a little bit of inherent fear about salespeople, about being sold, right? And, and what that creates is that people tend not to be totally honest with someone who is selling something. You talk about, compassionate curiosity. And I tell my clients, the first rule is be curious. The second rule is be skeptical. Because as a salesperson, you got to realize that not everybody's going to give you the honest answer right up front. It's your job to change this interaction and create a, a, an environment that fosters transparency. So the upfront contract can help you do that when you do exactly what you said a few minutes ago, Kwame, and you say, we may figure out that there's nothing here. And oftentimes I'll lead with my no. I will lead with, hey, 
you mentioned earlier, you, you can say no, I can say no. Now that's a foreign concept to a lot of salespeople. And in fact, I've had sales managers. I remember a sales manager I met with and she said, we're doing in-home sales. I can't tell the prospects it's okay to say no or they'll say no. And I said, well, what's your closing ratio now? She said about 20%. I said, then 80% of the people are already saying no. They're just not telling you, right? They're telling you, we'll think about it. They're telling you, call me in two weeks. And then when you call in two weeks, they don't answer because people have caller ID now and they don't want to tell you no, right? That's the last thing people want to do is tell you what you don't want to hear. And by the way, if you're really likable, and you've shared lots of free knowledge with them, then you create, you actually make it harder for people to say no. So by giving them permission to say no, you actually become more trustworthy. You create a safer environment for them to be more transparent with you, and transparency is always good in communication whether it be a negotiation or any other kind of trans, you know, conversation. So, so that's something that this has the effect of is, is that it helps the salesperson feel like they have rights, you know, and, and that we're equal stature, but it helps the prospect feel more comfortable and it creates more trust. When I ask salespeople, what is your strategy for creating trust? Get ready because they're about to make something up. <laughs> right? I mean, nobody has an intentional strategy for that, right? They're, they're winging it. Almost most salespeople are winging it, but particularly in this area, salespeople think that their supposed likability or good people skills are going to be the reason people buy. And in some cases, certainly that's a help. But in today's world, it takes more than that. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And to me, again, going back to the whole, the, the reality of trust and the importance of trust in these interactions, if, if I can trust that you will be a straight shooter with me, you're not trying to hide the ball, then I'm going to feel a lot more comfortable being a straight shooter with you. I'm not going to hide the ball yeah. either. Right. And so by demonstrating this, um, conversational leadership by saying, this is how we will converse. This is what the expectations will be. I will let you know that you can say no. I want you to give me the same right as well. We're on the same level. Then people follow suit and then they are more candid and are willing to share more. I love the term you just used, Kwame. I don't think I've, I'm going to steal that conversational <laughs> leadership. You know, I told you earlier that, um, that I've often said that what I'm working with clients on in a sales training, for instance, is that it's really just communication skills and leadership skills applied in a sales context. But as you said earlier, these skills, they're broadly applicable. I mean, I've had people say that this idea of upfront contracts, I mean, totally transformed their relationship with their teenager for about seven minutes. And, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you can't you have real high expectations with a teenager, but, but the, you know, these are things that you can apply when you're out with friends, when you're, you know, in a dating relationship, whatever, right? I mean, let's talk about some of the other things we might set expectations about. Uh, I mean, how many times, if there's salespeople listening, they're going to be able to relate to all these things, but probably other people can too, right? How many times has it happened that you went on a sales meeting and you thought you had a half hour or an hour? Heck, that's what you sent the out. Look, invitation for. 
And so they should know that this meeting is going to be for an hour. And 20 minutes in, they say, oh, I forgot to tell you, I have a meeting in six minutes. And you just spent the whole first 20 minutes being likable. Now you're going to turn into a motor mouth and try and get all of your sales in in the next five minutes. It's not going to work. Right. So we got to get clear expectations about how long the meeting is going to be. And, and I always tell people, give yourself more time, not less. Don't say, can I get 15 minutes of your time and then try to take two hours? Because that doesn't create trust. When you say, Hey, sometimes these meetings take an hour, but you know, we may not need that long. When you know that you're always done within 45 minutes and you'll be able to give some time back to them, that creates trust. That creates credibility. Um, give yourself plenty of time on that time agreement. And then the next thing is, I, I like to ask, what are you, you know, I mean, I, and, and you might even do the time agreement by saying, hey, how much time do you have? I know we set the meeting for an hour, but are we still good for an hour? Is there anything that has, you know, that might come up that would interrupt us? So get clear agreement and get true agreement. And I always say, if you're setting the upfront contract and you're running through it, and they're doing the bobblehead thing and they're just nodding their head. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. That, that's not agreement. When I say, is there anything that might interrupt us or do you need to tell your secretary to hold your calls? Now we're getting real agreement, right? And then the next thing is what is the agenda of the meeting? Right. And so I like to ask people, are there two or three things you thought of bef- between the time we set the meeting and the, and the time we got together that you want to make sure that we, talk about today or, um, you know, and and they, they may not have an answer to that. And if not, you can plant the questions. You can say, well, usually business owners want to ask me about X, Y, or Z. But before I answer those questions, some of the things I'm going to need to know from you are A, B, C. Will you feel comfortable answering those? I mean, in my world, I might say, we're going to need to talk about you know, current revenues and what your goals are for the next three years and profit margins. You're going to be okay talking about those things. All right, great. So we've set the headlines. By the way, we're not answering those questions. When they give us the question, this is oftentimes a point where people get derailed on their upfront contract. Because when I say, what are the most important things that we talk about today? And the prospect starts telling me about every salesperson they have. And, you know, and this guy's good at that. And this guy's not very good. And this guy, I'm not even sure why I hired him. I don't need to know all that right now. I just want the headlines of what we're going to talk about. So I had to learn to tweak my question to say, well, what are the things that we want to make sure we talk about today before we're done? Not what are your biggest challenges, you know? Because now they're going to delve into the whole discussion. That's, we're just setting the table. We're not eating the meal yet. And so we want to know their agenda. We want to know our agenda. And then the last piece is the piece that most people forget. By the way, if you do that time agreement and you lay out agenda and not just lay out agenda, but get their, you know, an understanding of their agenda, you'll be more professional than most salespeople. But you might not sell anymore. And the only problem is that salespeople's job is not to be likable and professional. It's to, to get sales done. So here's the magic of the upfront contract that most people are least come. That's the part that's, that's most uh, uncomfortable. It's let's talk about what we can decide today. What is the outcome of this meeting going to be? And when I think back to the worst sales meetings I ever had, they were the ones where I came out of the meeting and I thought that was a great meeting. 
but I'm not sure what we accomplished. Or I'm not sure that we said any follow-up. They said, maybe they said, let's stay in touch. Or they said, we'll get back to you. But unfortunately, we'll get back to you. What does that mean a lot of times? We have no intention of ever getting back to you. (laughs) That means we're not interested at all. (laughs) Right? Oftentimes, unfortunately, because back to that thing we talked about earlier, right? People are afraid of salespeople. They're afraid if I tell you no, what you as the salesperson have been taught to do what with no? Push through it a lot of times. Overcome it, right? Yeah. You know, you're going to engage me in an arm wrestling match and I don't want that. Yeah. So... Remember now I said, told him already. And so as I, so I'm going to tell him in the upfront contract, that's not going to happen. That if there isn't anything here, I want you to tell me. And, and Kwame, when you say, yeah, I'm a straight shooter, I'll tell you. And I, I might even push back on that and say, Kwame, you seem like a really nice guy. Are you sure that if, you know, cause what I don't want to happen here is that, you know, we figure, you figure out that there's nothing here. I think maybe there is, but you're too nice to tell me that there's not. And, and maybe you tell me at the end that you have to think about it and get back to me when the reality is you've already figured out that there's nothing here. So would it be okay if, if you do figure out that there's nothing here? Would it, do you, th- you think you'd be okay just telling me? And and I tell people, mm. you know, I'll wait till I get out to the car to cry about it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, this is good. You know, a little humor, a little humor. It'll get people, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, I'm a big It makes boy. them feel a bit more comfortable. That's right. You know, I've been selling all my life. If, you know, and there's a lot of people who need what we have. So, if if this isn't right for you, it's okay. So, I like to lead with that no. And, 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 you know, and I'll tell him, I'll lead with my no, I'll say, sometimes I figured out quickly that there's nothing here. And if so, I'll tell you. Um, and likewise, if you figure out that this doesn't seem to be a match made in heaven, I want you to feel comfortable telling me. And then I might push back on their agreement on that to make sure that we really have agreement. And then I'll say, well, and if neither of us finds, uh, you know, a reason to say no, that leaves us with yes. So here's what yes looks like. And one of the hallmarks of a really good upfront contract is clarity around what yes looks like. And if I tell them that typically what yes looks like is you get out your credit card and, you know, we put a date on the calendar for a first training or we put a date on the, you know, we, uh, you pay me and we do assessments for your people. That might be a first step. If they push back on that and they say, oh gosh, we, we can't, we're not going to make that decision today. Then now's the time to negotiate that. And, and I can say, well, mm. that's okay. What can we decide? At the very least, we could decide that you never want to talk to me again. If that's the case, right? <laughs> At the very least, we could decide yeah. that there's no yeah. way I ever want to talk to this Lewis guy again. And so I, I agree to tell him no. Or if there's, if it seems like we need to get someone else involved in this decision, let's figure out when that date would be and put a date on the calendar. So now we have a, a clear, mutually agreed upon next step. Um, but here's the magic is if they say yes, if, if I tell them yes means you're going to get out a credit card and, you know, and, and we'll set up assessments for your people. If they tell me that at the beginning of the meeting, how much more comfortable, how much pressure does that take out of it for me? How much more comfortable am I going to be asking for the order at the end? 
Yeah, I remember one where um, it was again in my very early days as a Sandler trainer, and this was a little bit of a this was really a new a new idea to me. Even even though I'd had great sales training and I had had twenty plus years of success as a as a salesperson, I'd never done this before. And my coach, you know, I had a prospect who said, "Lewis, our sale is different." And by the way, every business owner tells me that. They're all unique. <laughs> and, um, and so he said, you know, our sale is different. It's not a one call close. It's a relationship sale. I said, I get it. And my coach said, my Sandler coach said, I, here's what I want you to say at the beginning of the call. I want you to say, John, you mentioned your business is not a one call close, but is this conversation going to be a one call close? And the CEO said, well, that depends on how good you are. At which point I knew I was going to make a sale today. Right. Or at the very least, I knew I was going to get his, he was, he was willing to make a decision today. And it took all the pressure out. Mm. Now I wasn't getting, you know, more and more nervous as the hour went on. Like I got to ask for the order and what's he going to say? I knew he was, I knew I better ask for the order because he invited me to. Right. It takes all the pressure out. Yeah. Now you brought up something about how do we apply this to other situations? So let's just talk about that for a minute. One that comes to mind is employers and employees. And I was listening to a recent podcast of yours and, you know, you talked about the Michael Scott, uh, or maybe, I think it was you, you, you talked, maybe it was your guest who talked about the episode in the office where Michael Scott just couldn't bring himself to tell somebody diff, you know, something difficult. It wasn't an employee, yeah. employee. it was like, <laughs> you know, your, your spouse is having an affair and he, he finally gets in the parking lot and he rolls down the window and says, you know, they're having an affair and he drives away because he, because <laughs> he's so nervous about that, right? <laughs> Yeah. So this is an example where we can, again, it's like a pressure relief valve. You know, we, we take all the pressure out by saying up front, Hey, can I talk with you some, about something difficult? Like that's a little bit of an upfront contract. Mm-hmm. Or how could I tell you something that you may not like without making you mad? That's a little bit of an upfront contract. Like, Hey, I'm, I need to talk with you about something tough. Um, but let's talk about a more formal situation where maybe there's nothing wrong. It's not a difficult conversation. It's just a coaching conversation. And, and by the way, when people think about coaching, they think about correction, right? Somebody's doing something wrong. But we, at Sandler, our best clients are working to instill a culture of coaching. And when you think about professional athletes, it would be ridiculous if they said, hey, coach, I really don't want you to watch me. That makes me nervous. Or, um, you know, this practicing, uh, dribbling up and down the court, that's just not real. I mean, I really, let's just play, you know, let me just go to the game that, you know, this, this practicing layups. I mean, that's, that's just not reality, but that's what salespeople say all the time, right? Is this role play stuff? It's, yeah, it makes me uncomfortable. So anyway, a little bit of a rabbit trail I went off on there because, Practice is really one of the biggest reasons that Sandler has become the, the most successful training organization in the world is we create this context for practice. But what I was going to say is in a good, in a positive, in the ideal coaching relationship, this upfront contract applies, right? Because you say with the person that you're coaching, hey, how long do we have? 
what did you want to accomplish during our conversation today? Are there, you know, are there issues you want to talk about? Well, here's the issues I want to talk about. We can negotiate that agenda. Hey, we've only got 30 minutes. So I really want to make sure we cover this one. I can't cover all three of those things you said, but uh, we'll, we'll get to the top one. And uh, before we're done, I'm going to have some homework for you and we'll circle back in a week. So there it is. Time, agenda, outcome. Yeah. If you want to remember that, maybe the, the Tao of selling, right? T-A-O. So, um, but, so there's in the employer-employee relationship. How about a meeting? How many of us have been to employee meetings that just droned on and on? They were supposed to last 45 minutes. And at the one hour mark, certain people were leaving and they said they had a meeting. And you wonder, did they really have a meeting or did they just... Where they just, you know, using that to say, so they could leave. And you didn't, you didn't have the bravery to do it. You thought maybe I should be more brave. Maybe I should make sure I set a meeting every, every week at the 1145 mark so I can leave the meeting exactly at 1145. But how much better would it be if the person leading the meeting said, Hey, we've got this much time. They sent out an agenda ahead of time. They asked everybody else if there were certain things they wanted to be on the agenda. And they made a point of saying, here are the, the, the things that we want to make sure that we set some, some action items on before we finish the, you know, the meeting. Right. How much more productive would those meetings be? So there's another example where you can apply this idea, time, agenda, outcome, you, you know, practice it with your kids, practice it with your friends when you're planning on going out to, to, to have fun on Friday night. Say, Hey, how, how long are we planning on staying out tonight? And what do you guys want? Uh, well, here's what I'm thinking we'll do. And, and let's not stand around for a half hour talking about where we're going to. Let's make a decision in the next 10 minutes and get going. Time, agenda, outcome. I wish I would have listened to this episode so many years ago, Lewis, <laughs> because <laughs> I, I go to bed early. I hate wasting time. What are we doing here? Yes, I, this, is, this is great because all of this, because you've made it so practical yeah. for us because it's clear how it can apply in sales and negotiations. Now we can see how this extrapolates to the day-to-day meetings and conversations we're having and then even in our personal life. Yeah. So this, this is extremely useful. And I, I think with with the time that we have left, I, of course, I want to give you an opportunity to tell the listeners again about the Sandler training. But if there was one last piece of advice you would give the listeners when it comes to effect, effectively setting expectations, this narrow niche within the negotiation process, what would that last piece of advice yeah, be? Yeah, it would be to be really clear um, in those expectations and about what, I mean, to think ahead of time about what yes looks like. What is that next step? And if, if, if the yes means we're going to make a sale, maybe what's the fallback? Do you have a, um, if you have to negotiate what that outcome is, what's that going to look like? It, it might be in your world, you, the, the negotiation is, well, if you can't make a decision today, then we should reschedule, you know, to, so that we can have the right people in the meeting so that we can make a decision. Uh, but, but get really clear on the terms of that agreement and what yes looks like. This is great. Lewis, really appreciate it. But before you go, let them know again about Sandler training and how they can, uh, you know, learn more about that. Thanks very much. Uh, this concept of upfront contracts is the number one thing our client says changes their game. But there's so many more things that Sandler talks about. Uh, you know, we, we talk about not just uh, the, the skills of selling, but also the mindset issues, the behavioral issues. I mean, how do we execute on our plan? 
Um, I mentioned that we do have a course on negotiating. We publish about four to six books a year, and they're all right now focused on sales leadership. So we're really focused on that. Uh, we do have a book called Negotiating from the Inside Out, and we do have a course, an online course on negotiating. Um, and if listeners want to learn more, they can go to Sandler.com and find their local Sandler trainer and reach out to them. Uh, and, and so that, that's where to go. Again, Sandler.com, S-A-N-D-L-E-R.com. Perfect. Lewis, really appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Kwame. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.